Hi, welcome back. We're at Adipeg 2022. Uh, I'm your host, Catherine Ogilvie from Wood, and joining me is my colleague Yuri from Wood, and also Steve. Steve, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. I'm Steve Griffiths, I'm Senior Vice President of Research and Development and Professor of Practice at the Leaf University of Science Technology, located here in Abu Dhabi. Fantastic. Um, thank you, everyone, for joining us today. We're going to be talking about future skills and what actually we need to do to, I suppose, resource the energy industry for the future and how that will work with the energy transition. Um, Steve, can you tell us a little bit about what you actually do in your role? I mean, you've got this incredibly impressive title. Um, how does that translate <laughs> to skills in the education sector for the energy, energy industry? Well, the core of my job is to oversee the research and development activity at the university. So all the research administration, all the research centers, all the research institutes are within the scope of my job. Importantly, when we do look at the research centers and institutes and even the administrative side, we tend to think about professional researchers, research scientists, research engineers, but the student is extraordinarily important. The university is about students. And so in the course of the research that we do at the university, we're always trying to see how we prepare students for the future that's important for Abu Dhabi and the UAE. And the energy sector, of course, is critical. It's one of our very big strategic priorities. Mm, fantastic. Um, and Yuri, perhaps you can just tell me briefly, what, what's your role in Wooden? Yeah, my job title is uh, Senior Learning and Development Manager. And uh, I look at, after development of our employees uh, holistically, regardless of the job title position uh, in the organization, right from the starting point, the early graduates, early careers people, and all the way up to the senior leadership in the organization. Fantastic. Yeah. How long, can I ask, how long have you been with Wood for or in the... 11 years. 11 uh, years. 11 years with Wood and in learning and development for the last 20. Definitely my passion. Yeah, don't so want to do anything you, else. Have you seen um, a shift in what people are actually looking for in, uh, I suppose, skills of candidates, and especially in the last five years considering the pandemic? Oh, definitely. Huge shift. Yeah, traditionally it has been more focused on the technical, uh, like understanding the technicalities of the role, um, depending on where the role of the person, what, what the role of the person is, their position and job title, they were more interested in developing their kind of core professional technical skills. So if it's a document controller, then it would be about document management. If it's a project manager, so uh, obviously about project management, if these engineers would be core technical engineering skills. But recently, the biggest shift that I've noticed is uh, people are more interested in, in investing their time and effort into learning more about people. So that's that's the biggest shift. So could you expand on that a little bit when you say learning about people? Do you uh, mean uh, communication, negotiate, like soft it, skills? Well, I yeah, for the start of the 10, I don't like the term soft skills because okay. it kind of diminishes the value of ah. the skill. Uh, uh, I like to call them business critical skills. Yeah, business critical skills like, yeah, communication, negotiation, influencing skills. So, so these are uh, kind of the core uh, skills that would allow you to perform at your level best okay. in the team, mm -hmm. in the team environment. Um, and Steve, I can ask you in terms of obviously you work across the education sector and you've been involved in it, I'm guessing, for a very, quite a long time, is that yeah. right? So what have you seen in your career life to date? How has it changed from when you originally started out to what you think now is required to, say, go into a technical engineering role? Well, I think a lot of the shift is, is related to what's happening at a global level. So when we look at the things that are really top of mind, 
environment is very, very big. So now we know that global warming and all the things that have followed from, even from the pandemic awareness of what can happen if you don't properly think about issues which could arise in the future from potential large scale problems. Climate's become very big on the minds of students, professionals and like. Secondly, the technology the landscape has been evolving very, very quickly. So as we look at what the student skill set needs to be for the future, we need to prepare them to use the tools they're going to be using that are based on the trends we're seeing, especially around digital technologies. So when I'm looking at the future of what the employers need and then how that matches up with the students, employers, because the landscape is shifting so rapidly, looking for very efficient talent. They want people that can come in and help them with their core business very quickly with the right skills. So skills-based hiring to help them become a more productive, efficient company within the context of, say, energy transition. Those that they're looking for tend to be pretty mobile. They're looking for jobs which are going to satisfy them. They're looking for jobs where they can use their skills productively. And so it's not necessarily a lifetime employee that's coming to the organization. It's an employee that wants a satisfying job. It's going to be rewarding and address these types of issues like climate change and be part of that context. We're also seeing students need to become very aware of the technologies that are in the digital space. So companies today, I don't know if I've been to one session where there hasn't been a discussion about the digital needs for the future. We're going to get into robotics. We're going to get into machine learning, artificial intelligence. We're going to use the blockchain. All these kind of things that the future employee needs to be aware of, if not being the developer, being someone that can work alongside those that are developing. So I'd say the skill set has become quite critical. And I think Yuri mentioned a couple things. You need people that are great analytical thinkers, critical thinkers, very agile to change, adaptable, trainable. You also need people with the right skill set. So engineers, yes, people that know project management, but people that are digitally savvy. They know how to use the tools, which if you're in your 20s or 30s, you use anyway. But now coming into the organization and being able to talk about what is the supply chain when you're managing blockchain via blockchain, right? how do you do that? How does the developer who's using machine learning tools with your data utilize those data to make your business better? And how can I translate a business problem to that person? These types of things I'm seeing being very important for employers. And so students want to get trained to be able to do this. Working with great companies, thinking about the future in the company, and then utilizing tools important for the company and which the students find to be useful for them and also part of their uh, outlook for employment skill sets to be learned for any one company they work with. So you're obviously working at a university with, um, I'm, I'm guessing, the majority of younger students are younger. Is that right? Or We have undergraduates and graduate students. So yeah. students, uh, master's degree students, PhD students. But in their students. 20s, for example, majority? Yeah, eight, between 18 and 22, mm, more okay. or less. I Maybe mean, 25, 30 if you're going to be a graduate student. So a little bit off topic, but what do you think the energy industry can do to attract those students into working oil, gas, into the energy transition it's a to good make question. it attractive because no, obviously very, yeah. uh, the industry has a bit of a reputational issue. So what, what do you think aside, we could do to address that? There's two things. Uh, it's a good point because every time I talk about the oil and gas sector, people say don't say oil and gas, say energy. So first thing <laughs> is branding. How do you make the future employees, even the current employees, feel, that they're, they're, feel as though they're part of a solution rather than they are the problem. So the organization itself needs to create an image that is very positive, very proactive toward what we were talking about before, the entire climate change uh, issue, issue that we're facing for the future. Secondly, it needs to be a company or the students need to feel like they're coming into a company where it's technologically focused. 
So we don't want to be considering our employers today as being yesterday's employer. Where will the company be going in the future? So on the branding side, you want to see the types of things happening around the, the social media messages with companies that are looking at changing their names to be something more energy focused. Total Energies, for instance, Qatar Energy locally came up with their name more recently. Schlumberger is SLB, I think. Mm -hmm. Everyone in the sector, all the companies are trying to think about how they can position themselves to be a little bit more forward-looking in the way they, their, their, their branding projecting and imaging their is. Image, yeah. uh, and also projecting where their business is gonna go to help align with the solution rather than the problem. Whether or not you're getting into clean energy, you're using carbon capture and storage, you're mm -hmm. getting into hydrogen, showcasing how all that's happening to make the companies energy-focused, which can be part of the future solution. Mm -hmm. Secondly is the technology set. So companies are competing for talent, which could work in tech companies today. So we talk about digital, if I'm someone who's digitally savvy and can help a company use their big data for mm -hmm. analytics, I've got to be excited by the company's offerings in that space. So companies need to be able to showcase that they've got these jobs, they've got these opportunities mm -hmm. where a digitally savvy person, student, you know, in their 20s or 30s or older than that, they can be involved in something which is going to be a forward-looking technology industry. So I think that's another place where we want to have companies showcasing what they're, what they're doing. And Yuri, from an employer perspective, what do you think that uh, the employer could be doing to attract people into the sector? Well, I definitely don't end these Steve's jobs because they're trying to predict the future, right? So because uh, mm -hmm. people who you are preparing now are going to be uh, employed for the next 40 years or so. Like, uh, yeah, trying to predict what kind of skills and, and knowledge uh, people will need in the next 40 years is probably, uh, yeah, very tremendous job to do. Uh, we can't predict even three to four or five years uh, in advance, but I mean, trying to prepare for 40 years. For me, I think the more critical skill uh, for uh, young graduates to have is learning how to learn. Yeah, because uh, we, we very often what I notice from our employees, they take things for granted. We've been learning all our lives and we think we know how to learn. No, we don't. Uh, we, we don't understand how to learn best ways, how to learn quicker, how to learn faster. And this creates uh, a competitive advantage for the people who learn better, who learn quicker. Yeah. Uh, obviously, they get uh, they, they grab the cream yeah, straight ahead. And uh, the world is changing. And the quicker you learn in the future, uh, the more adaptable you, you will become and more employable you will become in the future. So for me, that's a critical skill of learning how to learn. One other skill uh, that I also wanted to touch upon uh, that comes from Ken Robinson, uh, Sir Ken Robinson, in his most popular TED talk of all times, uh, he speaks about creativity. Uh, creativity being even as important as literacy nowadays. And that's uh, another skill uh, that is required so to come up with inventive solutions as the world starts uh, mm -hmm. coming up with new challenges. So you need to come up with creative solutions. A uh, couple of things from, from my stakeholders that uh, are inquiring things from, from my side. It's design thinking, problem solving, uh, Sorry, did you thinking. say design thinking? Design thinking. Uh, can you explain what, what does that mean? Design thinking uh, is uh, a specific approach uh, to problem solving, to the way you solve problems with customer uh, being being at the center of it. Yeah. So that's a kind of a specific process, but at the same time, that's a skill. 
uh, that uh, is required for our engineering population specifically. Okay. Um, Steve, do you have anything to add to that, perhaps, in terms of um, design thinking, right to left thinking? There's all these sort of buzzwords currently used in the educational and resource uh, employment sector. Anything else that you sort of think is actual <laughs> that has a significant meaning? Well, I mean, I, I, I totally agree with this. I mean, the, the, the terms I'm using over and over are critical thinking, analytical thinking, yep. applying those skills to transferable knowledge sets or getting transferable skills, utilizing those capabilities. Because I think today, you know, at one point we thought we would work in a company for our lifetimes, our careers, move up the career ladder, et cetera. Mm. Today, the landscape is shifting so quickly that we're not sure with the students who their future employer is going to be. Where will they find the best opportunity? The energy companies are moving very quickly within their domains. They're looking for new talents. They want students that are now part of their company as employees to be able to move laterally, work with people. So I think it's really, it's that core set of skills on top of the things like digital technology capabilities that need to be emphasized. So I'm in agreement with Yuri. So do you think, is there a, um, obviously, as you were saying, people used to go into jobs and they'd stay there for 20, 30, 40 years and have their whole career. Do you think mainly millennials go into a job for a few years and choose to leave? And if so, why do they choose to leave a company? If the company provides a compelling value proposition, obviously good pay matters, having upward mobility in the organization so that you continually have training programs so to get the student upskilled, opportunities, stability, um, opportunities to work with colleagues and peers that are perceived as being part of a greater good the company's doing. I think that's the kind of environment that we keep an employee within the company. And if that's not available, then if there's the right skill set, then you'll see the, the employees going to other organizations. So, Yuri, is there anything besides not just speaking on behalf of Wood, but as a someone who's worked in the industry for a long time as an employer, what do you think retains people besides the monetary value, obviously, of being well paid? So, a couple of things that I heard from from employees: yep. uh, clarity about career paths. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, uh, different people mean different things about career paths, but in general. This is how they call it, like, uh, I want to have a clarity about my career path. And I would like to see the development opportunities. If the development opportunities and the clarity of career path is there, so people might stay longer and not decide to jump ship. Uh, because usually uh, how people look at it is like, uh, my career is my project. Yeah, I'm, I'm my own project. And in that case, where is uh, the better way to develop my project or to uh, have those growth opportunities? And people people look at it that way, holistically at their own career at the moment. So, so not like I'm attached to this company and uh, I need to be developing my career over here. No, it's not. So people started thinking laterally uh, mm -hmm. about their careers. So, so if the opportunities are not here, if I have a, a better ladder uh, to progress my career in a different organization, they will do that. They will jump ship. Yeah. In terms of um, designing programs, like educational programs, like for example, I did a media studies degree. That doesn't exist anymore. Um, so are you looking at the way uh, degrees are now designed, the subject components of them, for the next for jobs that are going to probably come up in the next five years? That's one of the most critical aspects of the university. So on the academic side of the house, finding the programs which are going to prepare the students for all the fundamentals that they're going to have to be involved in, particularly 
the data science capabilities, the data engineering capabilities, those are becoming core. Having the design thinking, having programs where students can get actively involved and thinking about how they can take their knowledge, their skills, and put those together to solve a problem in a creative way, essentially important to the programs being developed. I'd say also not forgetting that when you're having industries move ahead quickly, you need engineers that know how to solve a company's problems. So having internships, although it's not a program per se mm -hmm. within the university, connecting students in programs to internships with companies, they can then engage a student to train them for the types of skills they'll need when they hit the workforce within a couple of years is a big part of what we're doing as well. So mm -hmm. building out these capabilities, which can cut across multiple different academic programs, and then trying to link those core skills to the practical knowledge the yes. companies need. Because as I said previously, skills-based hiring is where a lot of organizations are looking now. They don't want just someone who's a, let's say, a good athlete. <laughs> they want someone okay. who can play the game mm -hmm. right when they hit the ground running in, in the sport that they're uh, getting into. Yeah. Yuri, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, attitude is definitely critical over here. But uh, also in terms of the designing learning programs, I think uh, people have less and less time to invest into their development because of uh, daily routines, uh, obsession about utilization. Uh, so, so people want uh, to have a just-in-time learning. Yeah. So exactly like uh, we all do now, if you want to watch something, you don't wait. Yeah. You go to the internet, you go to your uh, Netflixes, you, you go to this and that, and you just find whatever you want to watch. It's the same thing with learning at the moment. So, so if I need to learn something, I'll, I'll, I'll need an immediate information. Yeah. So something that would teach me to do things uh, in the next five, 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. So, so uh, we, uh, what I see is the trend that we, we are shortening the programs now uh, for, for just in time learning, just in time application. So it's kind of, uh, the buzzwords like the bite-sized learning, the just-in-time learning, the short uh, uh, mini learning uh, sessions. So this is the approach now at the moment in the design. Yeah. So so mm -hmm. we would like to provide the employees with, with kind of resources uh, for them to uh, find the learning whenever they need it. Yeah. Not to train them in advance because that doesn't help anybody. Yeah. yeah? Because majority of that learning is going to be lost within the first months. If they don't start applying it, they lose it. Yeah, up to 90% of that learning is going to be lost within, within the first month. So um, if you were to give a 21-year-old or 22-year-old advice when they're just about to finish their degree and start looking for a job, what would you tell them to look for in an employer or a career path? A double-edged question, really. Can you start with me? <laughs> yeah, sure. Go for it. Yeah, look, I think although we talked about skills being transferable and the ability to move between jobs you want to we want the students to go to an employer they feel is the right employer so look for companies that have a very good view to the future aligned with what you feel is your core principles your values helping with the energy transition being a positive force of the future feel good about where you're going it's not just about pay it's about seeing that company being part of a solution Secondly, will the company offer you the ability to showcase your skills as holistically as possible? So if we train the student possibly, the students have a lot of skills, critical thinking, analytical thinking, digital skills, will the company be able to give you the type of job to be rewarding, satisfying, and keep you engaged? I would say for a student, look very closely at that type of employment opportunity and don't jump into the first high paying job offer. 
What about yourself, Yuri? What would you tell them? Yeah, probably my favorite question. Yeah, I always say find your, your passion. Your favorite question. Or my oh, favorite question okay, it is. Great. Yeah, it's, it's all about finding your passion. Mm. So whatever you are passionate about, uh, don't be concerned about the job that pays well exactly to follow from uh, my colleague over here. So, so it's, it's not about the pay. So people uh, ask me all the time, so Yuri, which job pays well? I say any job pays well as long as you are a professional in what, whatever you're doing. And the only way to become a professional if you're passionate about the topic mm -hmm. that you're a subject matter expert in. So I say, go with your passion, find your passion, whatever you love doing. Yeah. They say, what, if you. What about for those um, students who can't find their passion, but obviously they need to earn an income? Invest. Invest yeah. into finding your passion. So spend time in thinking about what do you love doing? Yeah, love doing, not like doing. Yeah, love doing. Yeah, Simon Sinek says it lovely. So he says, like is rational, love is emotional. So you need to th find something that you are really emotional about, something that would makes you tick, something that would you wake up in the morning and would do that for free, for free without anybody asking you to do that. So so that would be kind of uh, my advice. So, so find something that you really love doing and invest into kind of getting into that. Okay. Uh, lastly. Uh, what would you tell your 21-year-old self if you were going to look for a job? <laughs> well, I kind of like what I do. So, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't change what I've done. Mm. I'd say if I was giving advice to 21-year-old, make sure when you get into the job that you're going to do, you're on the right track to follow your passion. Uh, Yuri said it. I'll repeat it. When you start down a career track and you start to get toward your 30s, your 40s, you can't change very quickly. You start to acquire a skill set, a knowledge set, a depth of domain knowledge, which allows you to move up fairly quickly in an organization once you become quite valuable. So you don't want to be too much laterally jumping back and forth. You want to anchor yourself in the progression that you see being most valuable to you and make sure that you're able to be always upskilling yourself and making sure you're enhancing your value. But going in the path you think is a long-term sustainable path for your own ambitions and interests. I like that. And I like the fact that it's not, um, if I could tell my 21-year-old self or my 30-year-old self, I would have said it's not all about the money. It's yes. about the experience and aligning yourself to a company, which is why I do enjoy working at Wood, because I like the value of the, of the company and I like the people. Yuri, what about yourself, your 21-year-old self? My 21-year-old self, your I would kid, say. Your carefree, yeah. four children probably. <laughs> what would you tell yourself besides just going out and having a good time? Or? Uh, I think I think um, biggest advice that I could give myself is don't go with your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, push yourself into the stretch. That's that's how you find your passion. So, so when you stretch yourself, when you uh, push yourself and start experimenting uh, with yeah. different kinds of things. So this is when you find and learn your passion and you'll quickly find what you love doing by doing the experiments, by pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone. Because if you just go with your comfort, uh, there is no learning in comfort. Yeah, and, and uh, without learning, we're just professionally dying. Uh, lastly, do you have any other comments about uh, new skills needed for the future? Well, I would say if there's one skill set that a student needs to be involved in understanding deeply today, it's the digital skill set. This is where the world's going. And many jobs will be automated, for sure. But there's many jobs that we complemented by digital technologies. And so when you get in the workforce, you want to be able to use the tools offered to you to be better at what you do. 
So you're gonna, you don't have to be a computer scientist, you don't have to be a programmer, but you have to be able to work alongside those that are using those tools and you have to be able to work with the algorithms. I, that's what I say, work alongside the algorithms mm -hmm. and be digitally savvy in how you look at the, the future and the technology you need to understand. That's great advice, actually. Yuri, anything from you, closing comments? Yeah, well, as I said, so, so invest into learning how to learn mm -hmm. because the quicker you do it, the more you understand about yourself, how you learn best, so that will create uh, some, some competitive advantage for you in the future. So, so you learn quicker, you'll be top of the market, top of the cream. Great. Well, thank you both for your time today. I appreciate it. And thank you from Wood and thank you for coming to Adipec. Thank you. Thank you, Gatron. Thank you.